0: Welcome to the Prepare to Win Podcast. I'm your host Justin Oliver. I'm here with Dane Lee. Uh, today, we are starting out with a new mixer. So if we sound a little weird, sorry, we're gonna keep tweaking it. Uh, we think we got it right in our audio test, but if this one comes out a little weird, we'll, we'll keep tweaking it until we get it right. Um, today, we're gonna kinda dive into programming a little bit. Um, more isolated around some misconceptions and, and common flaws that I'll see people in people's programming. Uh, and things that they try to do, um, programming is one of those things that a lot of people seem like they have uh, a great idea of of what they're doing and a lot of knowledge of. But mm-hmm. even if you talk to you know the best coaches, the ones that have been doing it the longest, they'll tell you things are still always going to constantly evolve. So yes, while there is kind of some methods that have proven themselves are 20, 30, 40 years, yeah. it doesn't mean that they're always going to be right for everyone and um, you know, and, the, and those coaches will also tell you there's always new evidence of certain things coming out. It's hard because we don't get a lot of um, testing on the, the subject of programming because, again, there's not a lot of high-level athletes that are willing to sit down Start and go through around a program. with their programming. Yeah. So, so you almost have to trust in those coaches that are constantly producing results that – the form of program that they're using seems to work for most people mm-hmm. not saying it's going to work for everyone you still have to do your part you stuff to account for all variables um, but if those coaches are constantly producing results and getting people uh, better then you know, chances are whatever they're doing works um, <clears throat> so one of the things I posted not long ago is a common misconception of uh, the RPE skill, everyone seems to have kind of a different view on that. Um, if you go to my Instagram, uh, j__olyjolle15, um, go on there, and, and I posted a video about the RPE skill and in my terms of what I think it is, um, and along with some other coaches, that's kind of the one they like to go off of. Can you say what um,
1: that is for people who might not know RPE? So
0: it, the RPE is the... Uh, the perceived exertion of what you're doing. So here's the thing, it's, not, it's It's a little bit different than like reps and reserve. So a lot of mm-hmm. people use, we use it to some extent, RP meaning like, okay, I might have two or three reps left. But if you're doing, let's say, a one rep, and let's say it's three weeks out, and I tell someone to work up to um, an RP9 or an RP9.5, meaning mm-hmm. like, I need it to be pretty grindy, um, but don't destroy yourself. I don't assume if they hit a nine that, okay, they're going to have cl- maybe maybe two reps left or a rep left. There might be no reps left. Uh, excuse me. Um, but that's that, that's that pre-workout. It's <laughs> kicking in. Um, so, you know, th- they might not have another rep left. But the point being is that it moved pretty quick. It slowed down a bit. It wasn't an ultimate grinder. But I know they probably don't have another rep yeah. left. So I you know, kinda of use it for what it is. If it's a you know a three by five or a four by four or a four by three or whatever, and you're using that scale and we're looking for RP nine, then in that rep setting, I do expect you to leave something. That last rep shouldn't be in a big grinder. Right. I should see a, at least a rep or two mm-hmm. left there. Um, you know, and a lot of this confusion comes from the old, uh, I'm going to call it the old perceived exertion scale. So a lot of trainers and a lot of um, PTs and things like that use a scale. Now, it's, it is a different scale. Mm-hmm. I believe that one goes to 20 where... Oh, the 6
1: to 20 scale. Yeah, yeah.
0: where they're... Um, you use it on like, especially the elderly people, because with a lot of times, you you can't push them to maximal effort. You want to kind of monitor where they're at and make sure they're pushing themselves and working hard you see that that heart rate get up a little bit you see some exertion but we're leaving plenty of reps left in the tank yeah um it's a good way to indicate too like if someone is on a um a treadmill and let's say we're having someone do an incline walk how fatigued do they look you know, are they breathing heavy? Are they able mm-hmm. to carry a conversation? Or are they not able to carry a conversation? Do they look like they're going to pass out? You know, <laughs> so things like that. Um, so in powerlifting and in, you know, strength sports, the, the RP scale is uh, is definitely slightly different. Um, but what I, what I commonly see with a lot of people is, and I, I put this in the videos, what I'll see is someone hits, you know, and they call it an RP8. And they're grinding out their last rep, and and unless you are a very good person at grinding, and mm-hmm. you're just an extremely slow lifter to begin with, you're you're not going to have you know three reps left in the tank. It, right, it, it just doesn't work that way. Um, so what we see too is like a lot of people, and especially let's call it the USAPL lifters, a lot of these young kids, they. Go with this route because a lot of the coaches there um, do DUP, which is uh, daily undulating periodization. Mm-hmm. And then they attach, you know, an RP to that. Um, and what I see with the young kids is in some, you know, or I'm not just going to pick on the young, young kids here, but um, they almost want to go with like this new science, you know, programming almost is, is the way they try to go about it is oh if i attach an rpe to my lifts and i'm doing that you know squat bench deadlift every session and <laughs> you know as long as those are undulating it's going to be fine and you know they almost try to attach what i call too much science yeah or making it look scientific or look trendy and sexy for the point of look look how scientific i'm being towards That's how the programming, much I know. how much i know when all you did really is you attached so many variables to that programming now that you don't even know what the fuck you're doing no um very rarely do i ever come across a kid that runs that programming i start asking them questions do they actually understand why they're being programmed that way yeah or why they're programming themselves that way they can't tell me how they're setting up their blocks using that dup style they don't know how to take the rpe and cycle through it and you'll see it in their programming where it's like they're hitting fucking nines every single week, and you know on most of the lifts it's mm-hmm. like that. That's not the point of the progression. Right. You don't need to hit a nine every week, and those nines turn into tens where they all out fail. Um, so, you know, in, in my opinion, I think a lot of people are just <sighs> trying to say like, well, this this is backed by science. This is the new trend. This is, you know, whatever this. Coach said this, and um, you know, and, and the people that are really producing results constantly are those people that have dialed in their program of whatever they choose—linear, periodization, block, mm-hmm. periodization, uh, conjugate method. Um, you know, it's called conjugate for raw or whatever. Those people that have dialed that in and are still hitting the variables for which you actually gain strength, which is the specificity mm-hmm. of everything. Um, but then also fatigue management, which, you know, you're, that's kind of your realm in a way. Yeah. So we'll program. And I really love those
1: conversations. That, I mean, part of the whole idea of recovery programming and the nervous system management mm-hmm. came out of conversations with you about fatigue management yeah. and how you look at What you give somebody percentage-wise and intensity-wise, RPE-wise, you know, throughout a four-week cycle because you need them to have enough time to recover from what it is you get. Like if it was an 8% squat one day, it's like you can't push it. Um, And that to me was an upper-level conversation. Coming back to what you're talking about, the kids who just, they don't understand that you know if they're programming for themselves and they put those things in there they can't have that conversation mm-hmm. they don't understand it but it takes that level of understanding to implement all of those factors
0: yeah. and for me from when i'm when i'm programming that's one of the things i'm looking at constantly you know through video critique and then also mm-hmm. as i'm doing their program i'm thinking in my head per the lifter per where they've been per where they're at you know if there's any outside you know factors um, you know, life stress, what their job is—you know—I'm thinking of all these things while yeah. I'm programming this single person. Um, in working in that fatigue management, and you know, for me, that's something that I hold in high regard for my own programming. Is I feel like I've really been able to dial that in with most of my mm-hmm. lifters—is managing their fatigue to get them better. Yeah. Um, now, it, not to say I haven't fucked up before because I have, even with my own programming, mm-hmm. where I was simply doing too much. Um, for myself and not realizing it and I mean that's
1: one of the things we talked about what in the last episode episode before it yeah. was you know coaching yourself mm-hmm. and re- not realizing that you you're think giving you yourself too all right much. Until, yeah
0: like we said until you actually know what it's like to feel good yeah you think you feel good or mm-hmm. you think hey I'm making a little bit of progress here and there but you don't see it coming that you're about to get injured or right you're about to have to You know, take a step back for the next six, seven months because you drove it too far. Right. You know, so, um, you know, that fatigue management, it's not just in the programming, it's, you know, coming to people like you, going to specialists um, to do your part of that fatigue management. Because a coach can sit there and they need to push to allow some kind of stimulus to happen. Right. There needs to be some kind of adaptation. But if, if we we can't down things so much that we can't progress you because you're not doing your things outside of it, so then your fatigue's through the roof because you're not taking care of it. Right. You know, I, I can't sit here just down the volume way down, down the intensity way down because you're not sleeping, you're not eating, you're not seeing the people you need to see, you're not right. doing your mobility. You know, we're not going to get anywhere by doing that constantly. Now there's times things come up, mm-hmm. we adjust. But if, if your coach constantly – has to think like that for you it's you that is doing the things wrong and you're not going to progress because you're not doing those things right outside of the gym so having that
1: outside perspective is really helpful i know that you know the few times that i've done recovery programming for uh athletes who i don't have any say or influence like on their strength work, which is one of the nice things here. Like if I work with one of your clients or one of the other coaches' clients, like I can go to you directly after and say, Hey, are there some things that we can do to adjust? Cause this is what I'm seeing. But you know, there are some collegiate athletes that I work with and I'm not able to do that. And in the process of doing it, you see what like other good or bad programming is. And it makes you reflect on your own and say, Oh, am I making those same mistakes? Because you're blind. To your own mistakes within your own programming, mm. like when you're doing it for yourself. Like I've programmed stuff for myself for gymnastics, and until you have something that reflects back, and you can see where mistakes are being made, you don't even think about them with yourself. Yeah. So if you're, if you have this like trifecta of, you're younger, so you don't have a lot of experience. You don't have a lot of knowledge to understand the undulating periodization or the RPE scale and how it can work, if it's going mm-hmm. to work for you. You don't understand the overall concept of programming. And then you don't have the outside perspective from someone letting you see that you're not managing your fatigue at all mm-hmm. because you don't even realize you're fatigued. Yeah. You don't realize you're running yourself and, into the ground. And
0: you'll see sometimes the outliers that can keep yeah. pushing lifts for a while. And you gotta remember, one, is that an outlier? two. Do they hop back on cycle? You know, three. You know, they might not. Again, like I said, they might not see it coming. I've done it before where I I can remember I pushed my bench, and it went from um, the low fours, and I ended up benching like four fifty or four sixty or something. Mm -hmm. And I pushed so hard that okay now things like there's nowhere to go after i can't just keep pushing right weight every week but then things start you know elbows started to hurt a little Mm -hmm. shoulders started to give a little that that pec minor issue um you know and i come back and i bring bring it back down and start working those blocks but now i can't work the volume that i want because i have these muscles tweaked Mm -hmm. you know and i have this elbow issue and you know there's pain now and so um I, I actually set myself back some months because I kept pushing too far, thinking that I was still going to get those little 5, 10-pound PRs. Um, I mean, You just can't keep doing it. And that's something that I fully well knew. But sometimes, like, I'm, I'm running science on myself. You know what I mean? I'm running yeah. experience on myself. Let's see how far I can push this. Mm-hmm. you know. And there are some people that can sit there, and you'll watch them push their squat or their bench, Um you know deadlift sometimes so it more happens with like squat or bench where you just see them just flying up mm-hmm. especially the bench if they're not squatting a lot or maybe they're not pulling heavy they can really get that bench going yeah. um because they're it's the easiest one to recover from yeah then also they're not fatiguing from the other lifts right this is what i'm going, coming back to the fatigue management's a huge part mm-hmm. um so you know kind of moving forward off of that is um you know, like I said, getting too fancy with it. I've seen guys are using it. I get it. Like everyone's kind of interested in this stuff, and you want to run little experiments and things. But they're, you know, there's people throwing in like running a DUP style program there with RPE in it. Then they're using velocity readers in it. It's like you personally probably don't need all that. stuff. No. Um, You especially as young lifters, like you need to work the blocks, get better, work on your technique, and start to evolve the process over a few years. And if you want to throw that stuff in later, by all means, go ahead. Or if you want to throw that stuff in, let's say you're a young coach, Mm -hmm. just start testing on yourself, fine, but don't have your athletes do it until you have a very good understanding of what it is you're actually doing, right? Um,
1: when you start getting into the higher level, uh, technology being involved with things, whether that technology is, you know, a simple thing like, you know, RPE, which, mm-hmm. you know, it's a scale, right? But it's still technology in the sense of being able to quantify something about you, uh, whether it's in reference to neurological or recovery, whatever. Yeah. And then the speed of velocity based training. You read about those things working with people because that was one of the last things that they added onto a program that was already well-cemented. That they'd been doing that, they had seen that they'd improved, they might have plateaued in how much they were gonna get out of it, or they knew how much they were gonna get out of it, and they thought, let's see what this little tweak does. Does it give us new info?
0: Like I believe, um, I think it was Chris Duffin, I wanna say it was Chris Duffin, I'm almost positive, was doing a lot of stuff um, based off of that for a little bit. And what people forget is that he's already done he he's already he's done competing in the sport. Mm-hmm. Um, he's already reached a very very high level of lifting. He has whatever 10, 12, 14 years of lifting behind him. So of course, like that's a point when it's like all right, I'm still pretty strong. You know, let's try let, some of this. Let's out. try some of this out. Let's see what it can do. And mm-hmm. you know, does it work? Doesn't it work? You know, screw around with it or whatever. Sure. But it, very 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 rarely. Do you see any lifters at the top of this using those uh, those kind of readers all the time? Mm-hmm. Again, because they're just working simple progressions. Yeah. So, um, you know, other little errors that I've seen, uh, you know, we here's the thing, with this program and stuff, we could go all day on it. Yep. You know, you see the, what I call the bastardized conjugate, where <laughs> it's like... Please
1: explain that one.
0: Oh God, boy, uh, southern Ohio. <laughs> I mean that's all I gotta say watch anyone that lifts in southern Ohio I shouldn't say anyone who lifts but a majority of them Um, I feel like a lot of times that west side method kind of got spread out down there Mm and you'll see it in some of the coaching and some of the programming and some of the lifting down that way is like so off the wall thinking and they don't there's no worry about technique it's throw this chain on, that band on hey let's do this odd lift that no one's ever even came up with um but doing doing too much in that sense, where they don't fully understand and grasp the principles around conjugate, mm-hmm. and they just think like, oh, well, it's almost like, uh, you know, how we'll talk about CrossFit, just throwing darts at a board for yep. whatever they're going to do. That you want to do that day? That's that's almost how it is. All right, we're going to go box squat with the camber bar with this much band, this much chain. Uh, you know, and maybe throw something else in there. You know, I've seen some crazy Got shit. Um, you know, but it, it doesn't And We've seen here Where people try to run that stuff And it doesn't get them anywhere um, So if you're going to run that Or if you're going to coach people that In that conjugate type method Better know what the hell you're doing Yeah. Um, I've watched, you know I can think of one or two lifters in here Had great potential Got coached by those people Never saw progress Or barely any progress um, Let's see Some other common things if you're prepping, too, uh, to get into wraps, let me tell you something. This is one of the worst things I've ever seen. Someone got into wraps uh, for the first time three weeks out from their meet. Oh, yeah. shit. Trained the whole time in sleeves, and then, oh, let's just throw on the wraps. I've seen people throw on wraps, um, I think it was like a week out one for for the you know squat, and then they got into the meet and wrapped every attempt. Or they took their first attempt, I've seen this, took their first attempt in sleeves, And then their coach had them rep for a second and third attempts. Like, wait, what? If you're going to go through a prep, this is common stuff. This is simple stuff that we're trying to get at. Um, Now,
1: compared, like we did an episode not too long ago where we talked about like first meet mistakes or things to be Mm. ready for it's like yeah you're going to make some mistakes this should not be one of them yeah like uh, justin being the person who has wrapped people and been wrapped me as a person who has helped people to recover from being wrapped uh i can tell you that it can be a brutal process Mm. like on the hamstrings and the knees and they
0: they you need to give that all time to adapt a little bit from that standpoint and then also just you know being um finding your groove within those wraps finding the, the technique mm-hmm. use actually you learn how to use the wraps so you get something out of them um, but then also why don't you throw those on earlier so you could have gained some weight mm-hmm. leading to the meat that would kind of be the obvious thing but um, you know stupid stuff like that that you know I, I almost don't understand where these people come up with this stuff
1: for you dealing with a lifter just real quick how how far out would you like to see somebody
0: uh, typically like we do a uh, pre-prep kind of phase, I call it, where I might have them get into wraps a little bit, somewhere between 12 and 14 weeks out. Just to get a feel um, for it? Yeah. At the earliest, okay. maybe like 15 or 16 weeks, just to get a feel, then we drop them off. And pretty much, um, I would say, you know, it 10 weeks in, depending, mm-hmm. again, on the lifter. Um, but we want to get a fair amount of wrap sessions okay. in. And this changes, too, per lifter, how often they can get. There's some, some lifters can go almost every week in ramps. Okay. Others cannot. Um, you know, like with me, with my you know knee issue, when I do get wrapped, like it's going to be stiff for a couple of days after mm-hmm. and things like that. So for me, doing, like, every other week in ramps, Seems to work well. Okay. Um, now there's a point near the end of prep where I know I'm in wraps almost every week. Mm-hmm. You know, But it's only for a period of maybe two or three weeks straight rather than you know doing eight weeks straight of wraps. But um, if you
1: start that process, like so. you said, like 15 weeks out where yeah. you can start to get a feel for it and see how long does it take you to recover, yeah. then you've got plenty of time to make that plan going in.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Again, I, I mean, I just want to hit some common quick misconceptions on programming. We're gonna do more on these, um, and we'll all actually talk about like how to set up blocks, how to do things like that, um, and various types of training.
1: Yeah, if you guys have questions specifically about your own programming or uh, questions in general about programming, we do the weekly q and A's. You know send that information over either to myself at elite underscore recovery underscore LMT on Instagram or to Justin um, on Instagram where you can ask more specific questions whether it's about the strength portion or the recovery
0: yeah I mean we work uh, I think most people we work good off of questions so if you ask a question we'll try to get to it and um, that helps us with knowing what you uh, actually need answered um, and it's kind of funny I get questions all the time in person and mm-hmm. through DMs and stuff. Um, we do have a few for the podcast, but I'd like to see see more here, um, more specific questions, even so we can really get into them. Um, especially, you know, there some of these questions get complex um, that I've answered through messages before. Oh, yeah, it'd be a lot easier just to talk about them for a couple minutes than typing books out. But um, let's see what we got today. So, a uh, couple that I went, did want to get to. Uh, one guy asked tips on gaining weight um, I'm gonna put it simply eat more I mean there's <laughs> uh, I understand what that's like you know growing up um, I think I graduated high school at like probably like 155 pounds ish or something I was really? always always had a solid metabolism uh, my whole family did like we just we were eaters but um, you know it was it was hard to, uh, plus some of that was like we would lift and slam food and stuff all summer. You know, football season comes. We don't lift as much during football season. We yeah. drop down a couple pounds, things like that. Um, but coming from someone who was kind of a hard gainer, um, you, you know, work and wait on your genetics also because sometimes that does kick in. Mm-hmm. For me, it was in my late teens um, where, you know, by the time I was 21, I think is the first time that I crossed over – might have been 20 that crossed over 200 pounds mm-hmm. but still that was like i gained 50 pounds between you know 18 years old and 21 years old okay so um you know kind of wait on your own genetics and wait on your own um you know they got especially guys sometimes have that second wave of puberty they call it yeah um you'll have it in your your late teens or what i call is like when your manhood kind of kicks in, <laughs> especially guys in their early twenties, can stack on muscle. And I, mm-hmm. you know, I remember that from experience. You can stack on muscle and stack on strength pretty quickly. You recover a lot better too. <laughs> so, um, little tips though, um, if you're trying to gain weight, just make sure that you're able to get to meals. Keep your protein, um, you know, up because especially if you are someone that's training as you are, like you need to keep that protein up. Um, generally, what I what I would say is 1.1. Uh, all the way upwards to 1.3, 1.4 uh, okay. per pound body weight, uh, especially if you are a natural lifter. Um, people that are enhanced, you can get away with having just a little bit less. Um, and then make sure that you're able to get to food every couple hours, things like that. Yeah. Little things add up. People, you know, drink your milk. If you drink a, mm-hmm. a glass of milk a couple times food a day, it's going gonna, gonna to help go for dense food. So, you know, in the morning, I have a breakfast burrito. Um, so it's the tortilla, you know, obviously. And then the um, I take one meat, call it medium white potato, have that, uh, dice that up or whatever, piece of bacon, sometimes two pieces of bacon. Okay. Um, I think it's like 28 grams or 30 grams of cheese in there, Mm -hmm. uh, just like Mexican style cheese, and then uh, three to four eggs. And usually that equates to somewhere around uh, between 600, 800 calories. And I can push those burritos up to a thousand if I use like a wrap that has more calories or something like that. I think the one I use is only got like 220 calories, but um, so something that takes me 10 to 15 minutes to make and then eat in a couple minutes, bam you know eat that with a little bit of grapes and a yogurt Mm -hmm. i'm up to a thousand calories within you know 40 minutes of being up so um just make sure you can get to that food and always try to be in a little bit of a surplus for um you know what the study says you don't need to have an extreme surplus either it doesn't need to be a surplus of like 800,000 you know calories or whatever if you're in a surplus of you know 400, 500 calories that's Going to be good enough to build muscle and keep your body fat levels down a little bit, which isn't that much, really. When you it's, start it's looking really at numbers. not when you start really tracking your food, you mm-hmm. can gobble up 400 calories extra pretty easily. So,
1: and I think that's an important point. Like to add to that, my experience with it when I came to Justin several years ago and I said that I wanted to, you know, put on weight and increase strength for gymnastics, um, it was very eye-opening to have him put numbers in front of me. And to realize how you need to break those meals down throughout the day. And but also to have someone say, This is how long it's going to take to do this. This isn't, hey, I need to gain, you know, 20 pounds this month.
0: Mm-hmm. Like
1: let's be realistic about it. like how much do you want to gain? What's your actual goal? And then talk to someone about how long that's going to take. Yeah. Because once you have that in front of you, then you can start to put those practices in of, okay, yeah. I'm going to have this many meals, they're going to be this type of meal. You can look mm-hmm. at the food selection. But it's very helpful. I mean, at least it was for me when someone gave me a timeline on yeah. what that looked like, you know, on a daily basis, but also you know, week to week or even yeah. monthly.
0: Timing the food is kind of important too. So, um, without getting too deep into all that, if you find yourself stacking your, your carbs around your workout, um, what I found personally, and what you know, I've noticed in other people, besides the performance aspect of it, that's granted, but um, people are more hungry then throughout the day, um, Mm -hmm. especially getting into like post-workout and stuff. Um, We won't get into all the details of of everything there, but put your carbs, you know, around your workout and you'll be able to, if you're stacking, you know, trying to eat 70, 80, 90 carbs at these meals throughout the day, you're probably going to feel pretty full. But if you use them when they're about to be utilized, you're going to kind of burn through it a little bit better and you'll probably leave your workout um, a little bit hungry and that's when you want to elevate those carbs back up again anyway. Um, you know, and we could get into intra carbs and all that, but um, that's different topic, that's, different day, yeah. <laughs> nutrition, uh, nutrition podcast we'll get into at some point. Um, eat before you go to bed, that's also a common mm-hmm. thing, you know. I'm gonna. Balls rolling now, but, you know, <laughs> eat before you go to bed. That's that's another thing a lot of people don't do. Eat a fatty meal before you go to bed. It'll probably help you sleep better. Mm-hmm. So as long as it's not something that's going to be jacking your blood pressure up and keeping you awake, um, you know, that'll help feed you throughout the night, too. You don't need to be getting up in the middle of the night to have meals. Um, don't do that. Just sleep. So, <laughs> um, all right. Let's see. Another one. Um, <clears throat> Daily habits that you swear by, ones that have um, led you to success. So, I'll daily, have daily habit, daily habits daily that you swear out, by sure. and that have
1: led to success. Um, I uh, lists. Uh, so I have this List. app that's called coach.me Me, mm-hmm. um, that you can put in a, a task. Not a, I shouldn't say a task. It's a, a habit that you want to build then you say how many days a week you want to do it and it's a morning habit that i wake up and i look at it and it has everything from sunday to saturday that i want to do and there's some simple ones on there like the one is uh meditate and it doesn't say when i have to do it you can set a timer on it but just i know that every day i want to make an effort to meditate it just takes me 10 minutes and when you're done you just swipe it there you go but it's not just having the habit, but if this sounds too meta, it's having the habit of tracking habits,
0: mm-hmm.
1: a way of reflecting back on what you're doing. Uh, it's not even that much quantification. You're not looking at, right. oh, how, how many times have I meditated? How much has it helped? It's just like, did you do it? Yes, boom. Mm-hmm. And then you can go back and you say that, okay, in the month of August, I meditated this many times. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, you can it's almost say, like accomplishments
0: that are yeah, checked off, that like I did. You and know, part of it, it just things feels things really good to be like, right.
1: yeah, I did that. Um, but because you're checking in every day you're slowly building patterns mm-hmm. where it's just now I know that as soon as I wake up and I go through you know I you get the caffeine in your system and a little bit of carbs in my system I lay back down and wait for caffeine but like that's my meditation time mm-hmm. because every day when I'm looking at it I'm thinking when can I do that what works yeah. best so you're constantly putting systems in place to for greater efficiency I mean that's one I, we could probably talk quite a while about habits, but that's the first yeah. one that comes to
0: mind. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I know a lot of people that do the lists, and a lot of people that do kind of that weekly tracking of everything that I got done. seems mm-hmm. to seems to help, and like you said, you can look back at your accomplishments. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really do lists. I have in my schedule. I make a schedule pretty much every day yeah. of what I'm doing. I try to stick to it for the most part. Um, sometimes I do go off. Um, but it's not exactly like the tasks that I'm getting done because I'll get a lot more done than what I fit in my schedule I just yeah. try to put the bulk most important things the big things that need done
1: kind of like a lump summit. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, But for me, I would say um, Getting up in the morning and and like I've said before going straight to work And mm-hmm. I walk downstairs and I turn on my computer. That is the first thing that I do um, Before I start my breakfast before I do anything else um I think getting up and just going straight at it instead of lolling around and, you know, okay, what do I have today? I got to do this and that and get this done. That gets me kind of going um, going quickly and then staying busy throughout the day. If I find a point when I just, I'm kind of sitting there, not knowing what my next move is or I have to wait, okay, maybe this is appointments till later or whatever, mm-hmm. I try to find things that will occupy my time in a smart way, so... Yeah. Um, And it can be from all aspects. It might be to go on my walk and do mobility or if I have a little extra time, maybe I'm, um, you know, coming in to do active recovery stuff uh, or doing at home. You know, just staying busy, I think, is the big thing. So then you're you're not only, one, it's going to make you feel more accomplished, but you're going to get a hell of a lot more done. Yeah. So at the end of the day, I am someone at the end of the day. I like to have my chill time. Mm -hmm. I can chill out, let my brain settle, not fucking talk to anyone. Do what I need to do to get ready for the next day, and repeat yeah. it all over again. And you'll find if you do that every single day, you know, for the most part, besides a vacation or something, um, you're going to get a lot done. And before you look back a year later, you're like, "Shit!" Yeah, without feeling overburdened too. Yeah. Without, so, yeah. just becomes part of your daily life. It's not a burden. So
1: two things come to mind with that one real quick. One of them is from the book, Getting Things Done, which if anyone has never read it, I recommend it. It's fantastic. But they say in there, like, you will never have enough time to get everything done, but you will always have time to get something started. And I think that one thing I know about you, which is why I'm comfortable saying it, is that they aren't just haphazard things. They're like, well, I got 10 minutes. What can I think of to do? Like you already have even if it's not a specific list like a general idea these are the things I can do so I've got 10 minutes what on that list of things today can I start on Mm -hmm. so you're making progress as opposed to getting to a spot in the day where you're like well I've got 10 20 minutes uh let me try to think of something Mm -hmm. that I can do and then you end up doing nothing because you're just trying to think of something
0: there's those times um you know where you'll come in and yeah, you know, maybe I got here a little early. I'm waiting for us to have a meeting or do this podcast or you know work on something, and you might pop in and say, "Hey, I'm here," and I'm I'm on my phone working mm-hmm. on something. You know, yeah. I mean? oh, okay, yep. you know what I mean? Okay, give me a couple minutes. You know what I mean? Because I got on to that next task because you know I oh, okay I got here early. I've Got mm-hmm. five ten minutes whatever. Maybe you get here and you have something to do. I, I'm finding something to do yeah. during that time. So um, yeah, staying busy is kind of a big one for me. Um, Let's see. Uh, the biggest life lesson you've learned from lifting weights—that one's pretty easy—is um, patience. Being patient, like yeah. with the process of whatever my goal was at the time, and it's been, you know, so far pr- a pretty much a lifelong thing. Um, working hard, you know, can be mixed in there too. Um, learning how to push to places I never thought I could be—I um, guess has helped a lot. Um, you know, I've been lifting since I was, what, 14, 13, I think it's the first time I really started lifting, besides, like, playing around my basement. But I've been doing, like, push-ups, dips, and sit-ups, and mm-hmm. planks, and screwing around with the dumbbells at home since I was probably, like, 9 or 10 years old. So it's been a, a literal lifelong thing. Yeah. So I uh, got a lot of miles on. But, yeah, being patient with the process has helped towards other things.
1: Uh, humility. Like. Yeah. So I'm, kind of, I'm the active one in my family, so I've kind of the same way where it's like I was always doing something probably like around 13 is when I started running cross-country and uh, I decided I wanted to do it because my buddy who was a year older than me and ran said that they have access to the weight room. And I was like, well, if I join the cross-country team, I can go lift, which most people don't really associate those two things, yeah. but I was so excited to go and work out. And then that just kind of carried over for years and years and, you know, I've always kind of had that reputation within my family that, you know, um, like I'm the guy who works out or I'm the active one and they will ask me questions about, you know, what they should do whether it's, you know, recovery or exercise. But then you go into something like gymnastics and you think that you're strong, or you think that you're fit, or whatever it is, and then you watch someone who has no business, like objectively, doing things that they're able to do, like on the rings, or on P-bars, or on the floor, and you're like, how the hell did you do that? Like, I know I'm faster than you, I know I'm stronger than you, I know I'm you know, more whatever than you, and you just destroyed me. Mm-hmm. And why, because they started on those specific skills at a young age, and they've been doing them for such a long time, and if you want to be able to do them, you have to go through the process just like they do. Yeah. Like, coming back to what said, like the patience aspect, like you have to start at square one. Yeah. And when I did square one, you know, that was weight training. Mm-hmm. Their square one was doing gymnastics. And like the when sport doesn't care.
0: Like you, I, I think we find this a lot too, especially in powerlifting or, um, you know, bodybuilding even, is someone who may have not, progressed quickly when they were younger are the ones that progress quickly when they're older um by what i mean by that is like you know i was just talking to these walsh baseball players we have uh in the gym about their bench the other day and helped them with some technique and was was bullshit a little bit and i told them like when i went to a combine a scouting combine for the it's like the county runs a scouting combine for mm-hmm. football and all the um all the, you know, from D1, D2, D3, all of their scouts come and watch this combine. So I'm there with guys that are going to big D1 schools all the way to, like, the guy who might make it to a college program. You know, the whole county is kind of there yeah, um, in a way. And each team, pretty much like you send your kind of best players that even have a shot to play in college. And, um, you know, the options where you could bench 185 or 225. And at the time, I'm like, oh, my max is probably 225, maybe, yeah. you know? So, like, I took the option to bench 25, and I think I did it for like five reps or something, maybe okay. six reps or something like that. Um, you know, might have been seven. I don't know. It, it, I know it wasn't much. It was somewhere in that little range there. But, like, I told them guys, I was like, that was when I was, you know, probably 17 years old or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was like when I was heading into my senior year or whatever uh, that summer for football. And, um, I told him, I was like, yeah, but then by the time I was, you know, 20 years old, um, I remember my big goal, like before I was 21 was to bench three plates, and I ended up benching 320. Mm-hmm. So I went from, you know, maybe a 215, 220 bench to benching 100 pounds more in just a few years. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that patient process. Now, the guys that used to be able to lift way more than me, by the time it was early 20s, mid 20s, they couldn't even hang. You know what I mean? They're, and some of that it has to do with, like, them just not keeping up with it yeah but at the same point it was also that i had caught up genetically and yeah. you know in my own progression my own progress um you know and there's a lot of things at play there programming and things like that when i started to kind of figure out some things and stuff but you know it's kind of like we said in the last podcast sometimes your head sometimes you're behind yeah so um let's see uh Last question here we'll get to, uh, we'll, we'll touch on this one because I thought it was kind of funny, is uh, people that uh, basically they get coaching through somebody and then they take their program and they resell it and act as if that's their program for their clients. First co- of all, this is a dick
1: move. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're an <laughs> asshole.
0: Um, but there have been people that have been caught by it in the powerlifting world. Yeah. Um, I can think of a few. I remember you that, telling stories. Yeah. And they got blasted all over social media that their clients were posting up that basically mimicked and they caught it by, I think, one or two of them had gotten a hold of the coach and, like, mentioned something, that that other person's coach had mentioned something about it. And, like, the coach looked into it. I think they sent the programs to each other or whatever. And the coach found out that this athlete... um, And one of them I can think of that I'm talking about was like pretty high-level lifting, pretty big social media. Um, She had been caught for basically taking her coach's program and reselling it to her clients for whatever, $100 a month plus that she's charging, um, which is just fucking ridiculous in my opinion. Uh, If you don't know how to program, don't fucking coach, flat out. Mm -hmm. If you don't understand the, the concepts, you shouldn't be coaching anyway. If there's a learning process, involved and it's not you know exactly copying and pasting let's say you found an accessory that you like or you found um oh this kind of works when i throw this lift in before this and you want to throw that in your own client's program okay that's a learning process yes but you're not copying like okay i had 80 percent today so they're gonna have 80 and then yeah if it's a straight i copy have this face. this and this this and i've i've been a victim of it uh, as well as far as um my program wasn't exactly as far as I, it might have been resold. Who knows? But um, you know where I've given a program to someone and it gets passed around, or as we saw, uh, we won't throw out gym names, but they started taking the strength part of a program that I'd written out for um, a higher level CrossFitter. They started using that strength program in their programming uh, for their gym. Mm-hmm. I know when I walk in, I've seen that whiteboard for a year when all of a sudden it starts looking a lot like my strength programming, a lot like the cycles I'm running. I went back and looked at that guy's program and I watched it for a few weeks. Everything that I progressed him on Damn. was on the board as far as the percentages, the volume. Yeah. So yeah, there's that. But um,
1: I mean, in that scenario, the it, first thing that comes to my mind is why wouldn't the athlete go and talk to their coach and say, hey, I've got a money-making opportunity, why don't we sell the programs you're writing me to people who are my clients,
0: and we can Mm -hmm. both make money. Well, the thing is, they they, they (laughs) could have done, some people do this too, is like a a follow-along program of a program they themselves are writing. Yeah. You know, that's kind of a different aspect. Or, yeah, you could go back to that coach and say, look... um, You know I have X amount of clients more people are wanting to work with me I don't have time to write their program what if I referred them over to like a train along program that you're writing me but through you and you know we work out a percentage kickback to me okay so the the coach who's writing that program can make money the athlete that is referring those people back to the other coach to get that train along with you know athlete X Mm -hmm. do their exact program or whatever okay Pay you know whatever a month, and you give a kickback to that lifter for for referring it back. That that you know that's fair, but um, yeah, to blatantly copy and resell programs, uh, yeah, you're a piece of shit. So (laughs) that's all there is to it. In short, yeah, but yeah, it's also you almost have to take it as kind of flattering in a way if you are that coach. Like oh well, I must be doing must be doing something right. So um, yeah, like I said, we're gonna uh, keep on with the podcast. Ask questions online. That is uh, some of the easiest ways for us to come up with different content that you guys want to hear. Um, and it allows us to get more specific, especially on something like programming. Uh, a lot of people want quite, you know, things on nutrition. They want to do a podcast on nutrition. Um, if you ask those specific questions, it's going to give us better topics to cover because something like programming, we can turn that into 10 podcasts yeah. just because there's so much involved in it. Um you know, kind of key takeaways from this is learn as much as you can. Um, don't just trust someone just because they're strong and they have a certain type of programming. Try different types of programming, see what works for you. Uh, we'll get a little okay. bit deeper in uh, in later episodes, but that's pretty much it for today. Thanks for listening. Have a good one.